Well, I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. There's a, um, uh, a real, I'm glad that you're recording this because after interviewing as many people as I interviewed, a lot of, I believe that a lot of uh, issues can be resolved tonight with leadership, okay? And I'm gonna be the first to admit that I was pretty intimidated by leadership. Um, I didn't like the word. I always felt like a, a terrible leader because a leader in my mind was anything but who I was, if that makes sense. So I knew that I needed to be a better leader. I just didn't know how to be a better leader and no one ever really taught me. People taught me how to work, but no one taught me how to lead. And um, so I, I needed to really figure that out for myself. And one of the common threads that I heard is that there's, there's um, a lot of people that are doing the work, right? And then there's the people that aren't doing the work. And to that, I, I would just like to say, and we, we face this with our children at home, if we're going to clean their room, then they don't have to. That makes sense? Right. So if you're, always, if you're always gonna clean their room, you're actually teaching them that you're gonna do it. And the thing about leadership, a leadership isn't to do the work. It's actually to oversee people doing the work. And, and it really requires, like, in my opinion, everybody in this room can lead. It's possible that you can lead. That doesn't mean that you're going to or that you're gonna do it well, but it's actually possible for everyone to lead and everybody can actually become a better leader. And so that's what I wanna focus on tonight. So I want us to get on the same page so that we might understand something because leadership is a lot easier than, than you would imagine. So I'm gonna grab a marker. No, I, lo I love black. This is gonna work. And if anybody has any questions, I just need you to ask me. Because these first two principles are like the foundation of leadership, okay? Everybody see that word? It says relationship. To have relationship with people is actually a very, very big part of uh, leadership. If you don't have relationship, then this isn't formed. That's probably one of the most important things that people need to have in the church with people, is that people actually need to trust you. And if you go to ask somebody to do something for you, oftentimes we're asking people to do something for us that we don't, haven't had enough relationship with them to fully buy into us as the leader. So having a relationship with people is very important. Um, there are certain things that I can say to Tim because him and I have a relationship that I couldn't say to him unless we had enough trust with one another. Another reason why we need to have trust is because we need to give away authority. Oh, hopefully I spelled that right. You're gonna find out, I need everyone's forgiveness with spelling. That doesn't look right, but I'm gonna think it is. Um, is that if you can't trust one another, then you can't give each other authority. Like if you can't trust somebody to greet people at the front door, then you're never gonna let them actually do it and actually let, let them be out there. You know, so relationship is so important in having it and trust. How do you build relationship? The way that I build relationship is not gonna be the same way that you build relationship. I'm not a very encouraging guy, okay? I'm a very challenging guy, but I also care. So my people know that I care about them. My employees know that I care about them. I'm always asking them, how are you? How's your prayer life? How's your marriage? How's your kids? Yeah, is there any problems in your life? Okay, just checking in with you, right? So I, I care for people. I don't know what your word is on how you do relationship. It might be like you're a very encouraging person. 
Like when someone's down, you're always picking them up or you're always going up to people and telling them like, hey, this is like what you got going on and I can see God using you in this way. Whatever your relational thing is, you need to do it and do it often with people. If you don't, then trust isn't built. And if trust isn't built, then it actually hinders relationship. Okay? A leader also develops people. So a leader, how many of you guys work for somebody? How many of you are your own boss? Okay, how many of you are your own boss and you have people working under you? Okay, so with this, whenever you go to develop people, what you're actually doing is you're working on the inside of them. And you're actually making them a better person and you're helping them with character. If you're, if you're not doing that, then you're going to run into like a moral issue. This would often, I'm not saying it happens in your youth group, it happened in our youth group growing up, is that if you don't develop the character of your youth volunteers, right, it's almost like they'll start to disqualify themselves from ministry. We actually had issues with that in our church. So one of the things that we do as leaders is we help develop character in people. So like one of the things that I do is I often hold people accountable for their prayer life. And I'll say to them, how is your prayer life going? Well, it's not going too well. Well, hold on a second. Why? And they'll tell me, and I'll say, okay. Well, that season has to end. It has to end right now because your prayer life is who you are. If you want to love people, which is what we're called to do, you're not going to do that apart from God, and you're not going to separate yourself from that prayer life and somehow still be the love of God to people. You know what I mean? So I'm always trying to help people develop their character. I'm also trying to help people develop them as leaders. Because I don't want to be the only leader. Like, I want to have leaders. Like, I want to lead leaders. Every leader in this room should want to actually develop leaders that are underneath you so that you can, you can give your job over to people and that you can oversee it and even maybe step out of it and actually do something else and start another ministry at this church. The next things that leaders do is, is motivate. This is, have you guys ever came across this before? Well, people just aren't excited about the fill in the blank. People aren't excited to do children's ministry. People aren't excited to um, help out with like mowing the grass. Like people aren't excited to, and it's like, well, they're not excited because no one's told them why. Why is it important? Why is what you do actually important? And if you don't know why what you're doing is important, then you need to like take a pause and figure out why it is. Because as a leader, and this is what a good leader does, a good leader actually takes responsibility for somebody else's response. Okay, I'm gonna try to explain this to you. Um, my son likes to play Fortnite. Okay, do you guys know what Fortnite is? Yeah. All right, we, you're all heathens. No, I'm checking. Fortnite is a, uh, a first-person shooter game, and he absolutely loves it. But we have, we have a, a policy at our house that you're not allowed to be on screen from Monday to Friday. Okay, so not, they're not allowed to be on screens. And um, anyway, Brecken got in trouble. He's 10, and he got Fortnite taken away from him. It's like, no more Fortnite. You're done. Uh, because he was becoming addicted to it. And so anyway, um, he really didn't like that. And so a few days went by, and he went up to his mom, and he said, Mom, he said, and he just started to cry, and he said, I just need to play Fortnite. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I, I, 
I, uh, and mom, of course, said no. And I went up to him, I said, buddy, I said, that was such a terrible sell to your mother on why you need to play Fortnite. Like crying in front of her saying you need to play it. I said, that's terrible. I said, you need to figure out why you need to play it. Like, why is it good for you? Like, why should mom let you play it? And if you can't figure that out, like, why would she say yes to you? And what I was trying to teach my son is that you're responsible for your mom's response to you. And in your thinking, you're going to your mom to ask her a question. You should have went to mom to sell her on the answer. Does that make sense? So like, if you guys have a ministry and you think it's worthwhile, you should be telling people why it's worthwhile and why they need to get involved instead of saying, nobody wants to volunteer for my ministry. You're responsible for their response because you're the person who knows why it's so important. If you can understand that, you got it. Like You'll be an awesome leader. If you don't understand that, what you're going to be doing is going around saying, would you like to be, um, somebody name me a ministry. Let's just take the youth ministry, right? Would you like to help us out with youth ministry? No? Oh, okay. Oh, man, what's wrong with them? You know, going up to somebody and saying this, hey, on Sunday nights, this is why we do what we do. We love kids. We want them to know Christ. And if they know Christ at this age, they're more, more likely to be with Christ as they get older. And we're looking for passionate people who love Jesus, who want to influence these kids for the rest of their lives. Would you like to help out Sunday night? Do you see the difference? And it's so different, but you're responsible for their answer because you either sold them on it or you didn't. And some of you might not like that term, sold. I sell people on ministry all the time because I actually believe there's an eternal weight to it. And I believe that they need to get involved in it, right? So you're going to motivate people. How are you going to do that? You're going to tell them why. You want to take it a step further? People who you know, you can go ahead and tell them why they'd be awesome at it. This is why we do youth group. This is why you'd be awesome at it. Would you like to come and help out? On Wednesday nights is when you have it. Excuse me, not Sunday nights. We do it Sunday nights. Okay? All right, my spelling is atrocious. So the next thing that a leader does, and these are the only... I can't think of anything else a leader does. Like, these are the four things. I like things really simple, but a leader helps people technically get the job done, okay? You'd be amazed that you'd think, like, oftentimes we assume that somebody knows what the job is. Like, when we have greeters at our church and they're actually greeting, they're not actually greeting anybody. They're talking to their friends who they know and they happen to be standing in the door keeping it open with their heel. You know what I mean? That's not greeting people. Greeting people is actually looking at people when they come in, shaking their hand, saying hello, and telling your friends, hey, I'll be with you in a minute. I have a job to do, right? I have a security team. Now, you think you know what it means to be on a security team. But left unchecked without helping them technically, they all guard the Keurig pot. And, they all, and like, nobody's, nobody, like, no one's taking that Keurig. It's there, and they got it. And all four of them are around it, and they're standing there drinking coffee. But that's not what a security team does, right? You never want to stop telling people what the job actually is. We have a, a saying at Praise, it's called good job, bad job. And uh, I know like, there's such a culture in church, and I don't like this culture where it's like, oh, just thank God you're serving. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, but they're doing a terrible job, but thank God they're here. You, you know what I mean? Like We have this like, low mentality around people serving at church. Instead of saying, hey, thank you for serving, for you to be doing a good job, this is what it looks like. This is what a bad job looks like, 
right? Like a good job is getting here at, at you know, 10.15 to start off the service. A bad job is getting here at 10.29, not being here, not doing able to, you know, and you need to explain that to people. Because what I see all the time in church leadership is no one ever holds anybody to a standard. And when you do that, you're actually telling them that this doesn't really matter. But they'll go into a secular job and they'll be corrected on something that doesn't really matter. But we actually, the things that do matter in the church, we don't actually correct people on. We're just like, thank God you're here. Everybody follow me? So if you have a standard, you're actually teaching them how important the job is by actually holding them to the standard. You, you get what I'm saying? So how many of you guys have ever had somebody call and they're calling to let you know that they can't make it on a Sunday to do the job that they're supposed to do? And it's like, oh, well, okay, I understand. Thank you. And it's like, well, no. It's like, well, did you call for your replacement? Who's replacing you? You know what I mean? You set the standard for what your volunteers can and can't get away with. You taught them that they can just call you and tell you that they can't come in. But you were supposed to teach them to, for them to find their replacement. They have a sub list. You know what I mean? But, and that's just good leadership practice, right? But you're constantly, people, constantly teaching people technically how the job works. So leadership comes down to four things. It's relationship, it's development, it's motivation, and it's technical. And that's all it is. Teaching people how to do the job, telling them why they need to do it, helping their character and for them to develop as a person and as a leader, and building trust with them through relationship. And that's it. And if you do those four things, now listen, those four things aren't going to happen by accident. Like you need to focus on one of them and like start doing like a good job at it. You know, so like you might look up here and, and you guys, one of you guys, like you're probably doing one of these things really good. You know what I mean? Like some of you like, some people in leadership have such relationships with people, like everybody loves them, and they're actually only serving in that ministry because they have a relationship with you, because you're so good at relationships, but you're really bad at telling them exactly what they need to be doing. Some of you need to learn how to motivate people better and actually become motivated yourself and actually realize and tell yourself before you start doing what it is that you do at the church why it is that you're doing it and why it's important. And like, if I could just t take a pause and time out and actually practice what I preach, Besides prayer, I don't think there's anything more important than leadership development. Because as you develop as a leader, then the ministry can keep up with your leadership. That's my honest opinion. Besides prayer, besides being with God, you developing yourself as a leader is the second most important thing so that people can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. I want to say that again because that's actually what a church is supposed to be. A place where people come to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. It is not a place where people come to watch people do ministry. Do you guys get it? So people come here to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. If you don't set up your systems and become the leader that you can become, then people don't become equipped to do the work of the ministry. They end up watching you do the work of the ministry. And that's not what a church is supposed to be, or say that in Ephesians. It would say, set up your churches so people can watch you serve. But that's not it. So you guys are responsible to help people get set up into these servant positions where they're laying down their life for the sake of others, especially the brotherhood, right? Does anybody have any questions on this? You said if we'll do that, and then you, you, your sentence trailed off and you didn't, you didn't finish. This is what I want. This, this is what I would do. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys have phones? 
Before I'm done and I erase anything, I want you guys to take a picture of this, okay? Or somebody take a picture of it and send it out. So I, I'm just going to be honest, but I don't want you guys to be overwhelmed because how many of you guys know that Rome's not built in a day, okay? At my church, I eventually told my people, I said, you're not allowed to lead something by yourself anymore. You need a leadership team. If you don't have a leadership team, you can't lead it. And I'm going to tell you why I said that. And I said, and your leadership teams... You have to meet once a month with your people. Now, we don't do a lot of meetings at my church. I do a prayer meeting on Tuesday night, and I teach Sunday morning, and then I don't really do anything else besides leadership training. Everybody else does everything else, okay? But I did tell them, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but like they need to build relationships. So I did a, um, a Christmas party for all of my, my leaders. It was really great. We went to this place called First Post. It was really good. And then without me asking, do you know what they did? they had um, a Christmas dinner with all of their volunteer leaders without me saying them to. Why? Because I've taught them that this is key. Then they went ahead and they bought all of their leaders gifts for Christmas. I didn't have to tell them to do that. They just know that relationship's important and they want their people to know that they care, right? Without me telling my, my, my people, they send, I'm just giving you examples now. They send YouTube videos to their volunteer leaders about leadership. Some of, the, some of the videos I send them and then they send them on, but some of them they're finding out, the stuff that they're learning, they're actually sending that to their people. Before they just have a meeting, they take moments in which they um, go over like leadership tools. And that's something that I help them out with is I just develop leadership tools so they can learn easily how to do it. And so they know that development's important. Over here, I love this. I love catching my people doing this. I'll walk into a room right before a meeting starts and the person will say, before I start, let me just tell you why this ministry is so important. And you want to do that at the beginning. And you never want to start doing a meeting, having church, doing youth group, doing anything with anybody until somebody announces why what it is that you're doing is important. If you don't do that, then a certain part of the brain isn't actually engaged. And it feels like you're just going through the motions. It's like, why are we even doing this? Doing this. It's a great question. Let me tell you why we're actually doing this. And you get to the end of the meeting or the end of the thing or the end of the volunteer or whatever it is you did. Guys, that was awesome. Let me tell you why that was awesome because we did what we set out to do and this is why we do what we do. But people constantly need to be reminded why something is important. If you don't remind them why it's important, they'll actually forget and then say to themselves, why are we even doing this without saying it out loud? Then they'll vote with their presence and step away because they forgot why it was important in the first place. And then finally, technically, I like one of the tools I just gave you, good job, bad job. Uh, we, we think that's so funny at our church because it's like a, um, such a simple tool, but it's really, really helpful. People need to know what your expectations are, and they need to be told when they're not meeting them. You're not going to lose them. They're actually going to straighten up more and realize that what you're doing is actually requires something of them. But if you have bare minimum, expectations, they will give you the bare minimum every time. We teach people to do that by letting them get away with things. Does that make sense? Let me just put it this way. Let's say you're at a job, right? And at your job, it doesn't seem like it's overly important. And when you go into work 15 minutes late, nobody says anything to you. You go in a half hour late, nobody says anything to you. How long before you start going in at 1030? You know what I mean? Well, why? Because that's just the nature of people, right? If left unchecked, until somebody, until they find the boundary line, they're going to keep looking for the boundary line. At what point does my job actually matter that someone's going to actually rebuke me for coming in this late, right? So 
with volunteers, we want people to know what our standard is right off the bat. Okay. Does anybody have any questions about these things? How many of you feel like you do the relationship part pretty well? Raise your hand. Okay. How many feel like you do the development part pretty good? Raise your hand. How many of you feel like you're very, like a very motiv motivating towards other people and you're always sharing the why? Good. How many of you are really good at pointing out technically what's right and what's wrong and what kind of job you think that needs done? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Mm. Well, if it's not particularly appreciated, it's got it like I, my wife owns a business. She owns my mom's ambulance billing company, and um, she makes more money than me now. And uh, she wants certain things from her employees, and what I tell her is, then you have to invest relationally. If you want more from them, you have to put more in them. You know what I mean? And so she wants, she wants them to care about the business. She wants, she wants them to care about these ambulance companies. If they shut down, like there's certain parts out here. I don't, are there deer out here? I'm driving around as if deer don't exist. Okay, I'm going to slow down then. It's just so flat. I just feel like you can go 100, and it's fine. But then I was driving around. I'm like, I don't think there's any deer out here, is there? I'm <laughs> just joking. I wasn't going 100. But like, man, it's pretty straight, and... You can really get going out here. But, um, some people go 45. Some people. On this road, this road, road by the rail truck, rail rate? Yeah. They go 45. How fast is it? Well, I go. Pretty go fast? Quite a bit faster than that. Ah. Well, anyway, what I was saying was there's a, uh, you know, these ambulance companies, if they shut down, people are going to die because they're so far away. Right, like there, there, there's, there's, it's a smaller town. If that ambulance company goes down, and then it's gonna have to drive all the way out from Hanover, and that person's not gonna make it back. So she really cares, but she's like, I just don't feel like my employees care. They're not gonna care about the ambulance company like you do until you care for them. Then they'll care for you, and because you care about the ambulance company, they will too. But it's a relational investment, more so than anything. All right, are you guys ready? This is my favorite part. So this is what leadership is. Can any, like, and, and if anybody can think of anything outside of these four things that, that like when I usually go into a room, right? Like, um, like we'll do it right now. What does a good leader do? What does a good leader do? What, what does your favorite leader do? He leads. He leads. Besides using the word leader and leads, what does a good leader do? Encourages, okay. What else does a good leader do? What? He's an example. Builds up. The first word that I thought of was inspire, which goes directly in the motivate box. Yeah. Mentor, develop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, depending on what, what you're training, inside or outside. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't, I, I, trust me, I've done this, like, with it's 10 people. Boxes, yeah, yeah I, I can't, no one has given me a verb outside of these four boxes. So this is boiled down leadership, right? So this is my, my favorite thing. Now, we have pages. Could you uh, make sure everybody gets those pages? And as soon as you get this, it's called pers personal leadership style. I want you to have this page out.
Yeah. It really is. I can't think of anything that you don't do as far as parenting goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, everything that you cover is really what you're trying to do as a parent. Yeah, or, or as a spouse, you know. What if everyone's handing something out so that nobody actually gets it? There's so many pages. I'm so confused. There's so many pages. I know. Uh, I want to make up like pamphlets beforehand and just hand people a pamphlet. There we go, yeah. Well, if they were printed out like a uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, then one, two, three, four, five, you know, as opposed to all ones. Oh, yeah. I forget what print option that's called. Now, I, guys, I have, a, uh, I have a, uh, an office manager at my work, and um, she, she rebuked me for not letting me, letting me proofread these before I printed them out. So th- it's just all forgiveness as far as grammar goes and capitals and all that. So you will forgive me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh. Well, like, I'll go to spell a word, and I'm like, oh, man, this is a pretty common word. Why does it look weird? But I forgive myself. So how many of you guys know who um, John Maxwell is? Yeah, like he, he, was, he was a really good leader. But I want you guys to know this about John Maxwell. He had an incredible assistant. You know what I mean? Without his assistant, John Maxwell would have been working at McDonald's. Like, I'm so confused. Every... Every good leader always has a team around them, or at least one other person that's the opposite of them. And somehow they've managed to actually get along. So as soon as you get those pages, I know there's a lot. Um, actually, if everybody just has this page, we'll be OK. Why are they not numbered? You're killing me over here. Hey, it's all right. We're stable together. <laughs> stable together. Yeah. No, you know what you guys are doing? You guys are leading me technically, and I love it. All right? I like that accountability. But actually, I probably messed up by telling you to hand out all the pages. If you guys could just have this page, yeah, okay. we'd be OK. Okay. Which page? Oh, this the one. one with the, this one. Yep. Personal leadership style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's super authoritative. You're going to have authority as soon as you understand it. <laughs> This, if you guys walk away with just two things, I hope these two things are it. We will get into the nitty gritty in a little bit. I should have just set them all down on the front step and let everyone just go through themselves. Yeah. What was I doing? You guys failed. Just like I do worship practice. Sort yourself out. So there's a... um, If somebody says to me, well, what, what do you do at like a leadership meeting or what do you do at a ministry meeting? Like, because, like, oftentimes we just kind of jump into ministry and we just kind of do it. 
and then we say to somebody at the end of it, like, how'd you think that went? You know, as opposed to actually being purposeful beforehand and actually having a, uh, a plan and actually evaluating how the ministry's been going. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Um, now, some of these things up here, one of these you love and one of these you hate, pretty much, okay? Nobody is the full package. And these things that are up here either give you energy or take, take energy away from you, okay? So some people in here have goals and love goals, and some people hate them and loathe them, right? Some people in here are, are creative types and they have ideas. Some people don't have any, right? Some people have um, uh, love talking about problems, and some people think that talking about problems is just being critical. Some people love having systems, and other people just say, we should just let the spirit flow, <laughs> right? So I want to talk to you guys about, about those four things because it's so important that you understand where you sit so that you might understand why somebody else doesn't maybe appreciate you and why you don't appreciate them and where the uh, friction actually comes from. Because if you've ever been in a meeting, who's ever leading the meeting will actually zone in on what they, excites them, okay? So some leaders are like, guys, guess what? We need to have a brainstorming meeting, right? And every meeting's a brainstorming meeting. And it's just, just brainstorms, right? But if it never has the systems, then it never actually gets going, right? I've done that so many times. I've had so many ideas. And so this is, this is what I had to do with, with me. I, had to, I just had to calm down, quit coming up with so many ideas. And I help people with their, with their ministries and come up with ideas for them. Because I would come up with so many ideas for my church that this would be our church. We'd be like, we're going this direction. No, now we're going this. No, no, forget that. This is a better idea. And we would just, just move in these different directions, but not actually get anywhere because I was already bored with that idea and I'm ready for the next thing, right? And so um, somebody came in and uh, interviewed everybody and they, they said, Adam always comes up with new ideas and he doesn't follow through. No, we got this. Look at that. So you need, to, you need to understand what your strength is or what gives you energy. You know how like, there's introverts and extroverts, and some people get energy by being alone. Some people get energy by, by being around people. The same thing is true with these things. Some people are system-oriented leaders, and they get energy from having systems, but they never have an idea, and, they, and the ministry never adapts. You, you know what I mean? Like It never changes. Like, they just drive the same ministry, it always says the same thing, and they'll drive it into a, to the ground for 20 years because they're not willing to adapt or come up with new ideas. Some people are like very goal-driven, and they're so visionary, and, and, uh, and they just want to talk about the future. Meanwhile, there's like seven anchors that are dragging behind them that are big problems that they're refusing to look at, and they're not able to get into the future because they're not looking at the problems that are present. I already talked to you about this, uh, my, my issues with being an idea guy. Some people are just problem-focused, and because they're problem-focused, they never actually get into the future and actually dream about what the ministry could be. They keep trying to fix the ministry in the present, and it's like tossing a salad. Like, you're never actually serving it. You just keep tossing it as far as, like, yeah, you're never actually giving it because you, it's not, it's, it, it needs to be perfect in your mind, and you just need to step out and get going with it already, you know? So everybody in this room has um, something that they prefer over something else. So if you were to, um, does anybody in here have a pen? 
Okay, if you could take a pen and just on the paper, I want you to write down which one of these gives you the most energy, which one gives you the second most energy, which one is kind of like, ah, and then which one you're like, ah, I don't like it all. One, two, three, four. If you can go ahead and write that down. Which one gives you the most energy? Which one is kind of good and gives you some energy? Which one you're, you know, eh, this one's okay. And then which one is like, I don't like this one at all. So rank them from favorite, most favorite to least favorite. Yeah, energy-wise. Does anybody need a pen? I can go get you one. Guys, Sharon. Anybody else need one? Is there something wrong with this if none of those stand out? Nope. You're still a child of God. Mm -hmm. As you're doing that, I'm going to just talk to you a little bit about these things so that you understand them a little bit more. Some people tend to be future-oriented. So these people like to come up with ideas, they like to have goals, and they like the possibility of the future. That's what they want to talk about all the time. Um, more so than talk about the present and what's going on, okay? So uh, a, a good role over here is like a coach. A coach is coaching people into the possibility of what the future could look like, and a counselor is counseling people on what they've been through. Right. Okay? Do you guys see the difference? There's a... It should have been obvious to me before you said that, but that's the first time I ever thought, thought about the difference between a coach and, and a counselor. counselor. Yeah. A lot of people need to be seeing a, a coach yeah. rather than a counselor. Yeah. Dang, dude. That's good. Um, because... They're, they're there because they don't like their circumstance and they think they're, the answer's in the past, but they just need a plan. Because they're past, present oriented, they want to go to somebody and just talk about their past. But they need to be talking about their future to get out of the rut they're in. So, um, down here, this is uh, abstract. And what I mean by that is they, these, this, these are I, ideas or possible problems. Because nobody knows if it's the problem for sure. It takes a lot of... Um, I don't want to say testing to find out if it is. But this is abstract down here, and this is concrete up here. And what I mean by that is uh, concrete or, what did I put down? Practical. So down here, this is idea land, right? The possibility that this, that this could be the problem. The, the possibility that this could be the idea. But up here, this is how, this is actuality. These are actual goals, like we will know 
what the goal is and how to get there, using the systems to get there. So this is more, some people are more abstract like in their thinking and some people are more concrete in their thinking. So the first leader I wanna to talk to you about is the mover or the implementer. This, this person uh, at our church is Amy Gutwald. She's the youth pastor. And she is like beast mode all the time. Like, I don't need anybody's help, I'll just do it. I'm just gonna do it myself. And it's like, and I'm just gonna do it right now. And why are we sitting in this meeting just talking about it? Like, why aren't we out there doing it? Okay, so that's an implementer. How the implementer works is they're more, they're more system and goal oriented, and they really, really hate meetings where we're talking about problems and ideas. Because it doesn't make any sense to do that. Because there's work that needs to be done. They can be an excellent leader. So nobody's disqualified out of leadership. This person can be a very, very, very good leader because they actually inspire by how they live their life. Right? Because they're doing the work. And so they're actually modeling it all the time. And people, um, uh, a lot of people who help out in our youth ministry really admire Amy and how much of a go-getter she is. And if a Amy's just always laying down her life, and I, I just really appreciate her, and I want to help her out any way I can. And so that's Amy. There's the visionary. The visionary is the, the, the person that... Um, uh, just completely lives in the future, completely ignores the past and present and just lives in possibility and wants to talk possibility and says, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to go. Can you imagine if it was like this? And they're constantly, constantly talking about the future. Um, this person, the director or the manager, I love these people. Oh my gosh, I need more of them. These people do very good at um, being in the moment and delegating and managing and administrating. And usually future types, um, and I've done this, God forgive me. Um, for a lot of my leadership, I scared off the opposite person. That's typically what we do, is we underappreciate the gifting of the person who's different than us and opposite of us and feel like they don't appreciate who we are. So then we certainly feel like we can't appreciate who they are, what they bring, and what they do isn't important. And then we you know, disregard them, and then they feel disregarded, and they usually take off. I, I've done that so many times with administrators, because what administrators would do would make me look weak, because I wasn't administrative. Does that make sense? So somebody who was opposite of me, instead of me appreciating them, I would devalue them, because their mere presence would make me look really weak at what they're really strong at, you know? So, um, geez. There's a, uh, a guy who's supposed to speak at my church this morning, and like he got like really sick, and now he's going to the hospital. He's still in York, and he lives out, out west. So, anyway. What's his name? His name is Frank. Frank Menhart, we'll pray for him. So Father, we just thank you for Frank and we just uh, we bless him right now. We just bless his body and we just say, Holy Spirit, just healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Down here, this person's the inventor. And the, the inventor is usually inventing things that are going to help people do a better job or help alleviate problems. Okay? So that's the inventor is down here. And they're really bad at actually doing it, but they're really good with coming up with the ideas to get it done. 
Okay. Did any, who numbered their numbers? Did anybody do that? What were your numbers? All right. So I'm, I'm just going to do this. One, two, three, four. Now tell me those numbers again. Okay. All right, so you're this kind of leader. You're a mover, but you're cautious. A cautious mover. So like you're not afraid to implement, you're not afraid to get involved, but at the same time, you're able to see the problems, right, that are present. And you're also, your main thing is systems. And you can also look into the future a bit and come up with goals, but that's like a cautious mover. There's another, did anybody come up with a, uh, a 2413? Could somebody else give me your numbers? One, two, four, three, okay. Yeah, that's a driver. So that's kind of like um, heading into the future, um, not really seeing this much, you know, but just kind of driving into the future, implementing what you need to do, and just getting there. And, and you're, gonna, you're gonna have ideas, you're gonna have systems and goals, but you're definitely like an implementer actually going forward. Uh, did anybody, anybody have any other ones? Four, one, two, three. Okay. You're a goal first. No, she said four. Four, one, two, three. Oh, so, oh man, I am so confused as to how we're arranging this. Yeah, because, oh, then I probably told you wrong, because I, yeah, because mine was one ideas, two goals, three costs. Okay, well, let me say this to you guys. Using the number system now, what are you? <laughs> yeah, because we got numbers written on ours and we're trying to number Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, just scratch out those numbers and put these numbers. <laughs> that makes sense. But, um, so this person, whew, this person is an implementer but, uh, and a visionary. They're the executioner. And the, the person that's... Um, Goals and ideas oriented and systems oriented, and, and they, are, they are not afraid to cut a path to where, they're, where it is that they're headed. You the know what I mean? The guy who businesses call in to fire people because he doesn't mind firing people. Yeah. You're, you're out of here. You're not, yeah, you're not making the numbers. You're yeah. Going. This person is a coach. That's usually where I sit. This person is a dreamer. This person is a counselor. And this person is an organizer. Oh, thank God for those people. Okay. So depending on, so if you guys can just, you know, well, what am I? Well, if your goals, goals first, then systems, and then ideas, you're the, you, you know what I mean? It, it's depending on what your, whatever your fourth one is, your, in the opposite scale of it, because that's probably where your first one is. And then you're leaning towards something. The reason I write this up there is because if, if, you're, if you're in ministry and you're not one of these things, obviously, right? Um, and 
you don't look at the problems, you need somebody who does see the problems on your leadership team that can actually speak up to it. If you don't fill in the gap, because I call them bear traps because one of these things is gonna hold you back and hold back your ministry. But if you have a two-person team, three-person team, four-person team, most likely these things get covered. So that's why you would say if somebody came to you and said, I want to start an intercessory, an intercessory ministry or I want to start a clothing ministry or I want to start a, an outreach ministry, you would say get how many people? At least two others okay. to be on your leadership team. And then you might say, well, what do you do at your leadership meeting? You look at your goals for the year. And that is like so foreign to people. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, what do, what do you mean goals for the year? Well, your ministry, what, why do you exist? Well, we exist to um, um, give clothes to the people that, that need clothes. Well, how many people do you support? Well, we support this. How many would you like to support this year? How many, how many pounds of clothes do you want to give away? You know I mean, is there anything else that you want to give away? Is there a way that you could actually attach something so that they can be invited to the church? Like, how is it going to be better and done more excellently onto the Lord this year than it was last year? But if you don't have goals, that means things never get better. And you never know whether or not you're doing a good job or a bad job, you know? And if you at least shoot for the goal, it doesn't matter that you fall short. At least you did better. So, like, this is what I told everybody at my church. I said, in the year 2021, I said, I want you to increase your volunteer capacity by 20%. You might say, well, it's not about the numbers. Well, volunteer-wise for me it is. If people aren't volunteering, like in my opinion, like if people aren't volunteering, like uh, they've been to the church six times, like what, what are they waiting for? Like what are, what are people waiting for to serve? Like what else are you going to do with your life besides serve Jesus Christ? And how long do we have to wait before somebody can hand somebody a bulletin? How spiritually mature do you actually need to be? So like being a volunteer at our church is like the first step of spiritual development. Do you know what I mean? And, and what that actual process looks like. Okay, I'm going to ask for you guys to pull out another page if I have it here. Did they meet the goals in 2021? They did. They crushed them. So all your team leaders took that on and said, we want to do this, and they did it. Yeah. Well, it, they didn't say, we want to do this. I told them, this is what we're doing this year. I said, you can have six goals. I said, let me tell you what three of your goals are. I said, one, you're going to have a leadership team of at least three people. Two, you're going to meet at least once a month with this leadership team. And three, you're going to increase your volunteer capacity by 20%. And I don't mean you're going to have 20% more volunteers in the positions you have. I mean, if you have uh, five people, five positions, you're going to invent a sixth one and fill it, as long as it adds value okay. to the we're ministry. We're arbitrarily making stuff up. Mm -hmm. We're inventing good jobs that matter. Yeah. So like, if you have a worship team up here, it's like, okay, so we have two guitarists, a bassist, a drummer, a keyboardist. We're going to get another vocal. We're going to have two vocals. You, you know what I mean? Ladies, please. That, so that's, that's kind of like what you do. And so some people had to get 20 volunteers because they already had 100. And some people had to get one because they already had five. You know what I mean? Depending on the size of the, size of the ministry.